I think learning to create and just getting good at just figuring out how do I just create on a daily basis? How do I, and then how do I do that with money? That's the game changer. You're listening to Inside the Den, a podcast about connection and the human behind the community in the world of Web3 with your hosts, Jake and Dwayne. Wow, that was a pretty intense uh, interview we just had with Jordan Payne, man. This was this was really great. I, conversations like this, that especially conversations you haven't had before, that really just light your mind up is um, it's really one of the things that just keeps me coming back to this podcast to do more interviews. Yeah, for sure, man. I love when people like make you question things or open up a new maybe avenue that you haven't thought of before and just create that curiosity. Um, I just love conversations like that so it was it was a great one what, what was your biggest takeaways there you had two at the end then that we should yeah you, so well just to kind of set the table for for people you know it <clears throat> jordan Payne is somebody who was referred to us from a guardian um and, and we actually had her on our podcast um uh, and uh, i'm a grande who's really big into the real estate space and um very connected with uh jordan Payne, who's who's our interview for today and you know, looking at, he's got a mastermind it's called the 1971 mastermind. There's a significance that day. I won't say what it is. You'll have to get into the interview and, and Jordan will talk about it. Um, but you know, the thing that I really enjoyed about this interview is that there was, um, we had like a lot of talk about, you know, just some of the paradigms that come with like how to make money and how people like perceive money and the relationship to money, looking back through history and, and, that's something that I really appreciated about Jordan is, is his, you know, looking back on things like what are some of the patterns that we've seen, some of the evidence we've seen in, in terms of, um, you know, how wealth is generated. Like if you want to make money and or you're not happy with your position and you're in a poor state, we'll stop doing things that poor people do, do things that wealthy people do. And, you know, we talked about rich dad, poor dad and uh, go ahead. There was the there was the looking back at history and then there was looking forward into the future and being able to, you know, be ready to pivot for the new innovation of whatever you're maybe in. So, yeah, this was such a great conversation, Jake. Let, let's jump in because there's a lot to cover in there and uh, it was a good one. Let's do it. All right. What's up, everybody? We kicking off another interview here on Inside the Den. And today we got uh, Jordan Payne, who was actually recommended and referred to us from Anne uh, Amagrande, who is a good friend of ours and somebody uh, who's also in the Wolf Den community. And yeah, Jordan, it's great to have you on the podcast. Great to have you here. We're going to have a lot of cool conversation about DeFi, real estate. Um, you have a really interesting outlook on money. So I'm excited to dive in with you and, and really get this conversation going. How's it going? Hundred percent, man. I'm I'm doing great. Appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, I was just uh, kind of going through your content there, and I came across the 1971 Mastermind, and I was watching your video. Um, you have some interesting views <laughs> on money, yeah. which uh, your I think your opening line was, "It's my job to tell the truth, <laughs> whether you want to like whether you want to listen to it or not is up to you." <laughs> So, yeah, man. So I, I really feel that for a lot of people, nobody really looks at the past anymore. You know, we're, we're a forward facing uh, culture and I've learned so much from the past 
and from studying stuff like you know what Rockefeller did and what Nixon did in in the 70s and like all of the, the kind of the history of money I've geeked out on because I I see that as a duplication of the future but no nobody ever talks about it man and I think I think that's a mistake I, I'm Sorry, the financial education that people come up with is very, very limited. So if you don't go looking for yourself, then you just kind of know what you've been fed or taught through the systems, right? <laughs> I, I think that's by design. Um, I, yeah. I think there's a very, very specific reason why our school system teaches things the way that they do, why they don't talk about how to how to handle your finances and you know, even talking about stuff like crypto and, and DeFi it was never designed to allow people to get out of the rat race. It just, it just, it just wasn't. So it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that people don't learn about this. I love, I love that you, you are taking that you, what you just said in the beginning about actually going back in time and looking at the history of money and, and actually Dwayne, I, I remember mentioning this to mentioning this to you when we were talking about getting Jordan on, because um, this is something I've been very interested in really diving into more is like the evolution of money and, you know, from the gold standard and then taking it off the gold standard. And then now you got this like whole cryptocurrency thing that's happening, you know, all the way back to the time when people were trading the cows for the chickens and, you know, it was a barter system and like looking yeah. at that evolution. And I think it's profound to really consider when it comes to knowing really what's happening. And as you said, like the repeat repeating of history, I would love for you to just maybe just take a moment and, you know, and this is a really broad topic and you could probably create a whole masterclass around it, I'm sure. But mm -hmm. like really talking about the history of money and anything that you feel is, is helpful and useful. If somebody were to really go down that rabbit hole, what are some things that they should understand when, when really looking at money, where it's come from and where it is today? Yeah, I mean, how, how much time we got? <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, I mean, like, I, I start with the school system because that that is literally, for most people, like, the earliest exposure they have to society and what they should and what they shouldn't do. So, like, I go all the way back to, like, 1903, like, Rockefeller, who at that point was literally one of the richest people on the planet. And all of a sudden, he has this idea, I'm going to create the General Education Board. But the if you look at like his his past and what he was talking about, he had zero interest in education. So I think it's interesting. Like why 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 is this wealthy dude who doesn't need to do anything? Why would he create an education board? And then he, he goes on to say, and he's in, quoted in a bunch of different interviews, saying like I basically want to create slaves. Mm -hmm. So early 1900s, like it's like the industrial, like the factories and stuff like that. He had a specific need selfishly to create this generation and this education system that would back it that was basically like hey just do what you're told we want you to be educated enough to follow orders we don't want you to be educated enough to go beyond that so there's all these quotes all of this different stuff that you guys can go to your own research on it but from that point which was like early 1900s up until now the the changes in the education system in the general education board they're, they're really, really, really small. So the world has adapted. The world has changed. I mean, the world is changing faster than we can. And we were just talking about like cars that are driving themselves and picking people up. Like the world is changing. How come the education system never changed? And I, I believe it was very, very much on purpose. 
Yeah, it's not right? it's not so, broken, George. It's not broken, man. It's working perfectly fine. <laughs> why why fix something that's not broke? <laughs> so we don't we don't have quote unquote like it's not the factory era anymore like it was in the 1900s, but we still have this need for this this working pool, and mm-hmm. for people just to have enough education to do what they're told either in school, which was their teacher, or at their job, which is their boss, and that that's it, right? As far as money goes, like the history of money, um, you know, you, you were kind of joking about, you know, like we're, we're trading two chickens for a goat. That That's 100%, I mean, was kind of the start of it was that. And then eventually, you know, they were getting, you know, the different tokens, the whole thing. But I think the biggest shift was uh, with Nixon, you know? So yeah. my mastermind is called 1971. I think that was one of the single most important dates on the planet because now money literally was fiat. Before we had it attached to something, right? It's worth X amount of gold, et cetera. At that point, I think it was the biggest financial shift. And guys, this happened in this like dark, smoke-filled, like back room where Nixon and his buddies made this decision. They didn't ask anybody. They didn't go to Congress. They didn't get a vote. They didn't do a press conference. Why was that? Right? Yeah. So I, I think at that point, I think that was that was one of the most pivotal. And then I'd say the second biggest or maybe even parallel would be, you know, Web3 and, uh, and DeFi and this idea of, dude, currency is now accessible to everybody quickly. Like I, I was doing something this morning and I, I was I was trading different currencies and like going back between networks and like all of these things, moving thousands of dollars like like that. So guys, I, I believe I believe the people that don't get on board and don't at least have an understanding are going to get screwed. They're going to get wiped out. It's funny that like you talk about the education system being like you know early 1900s, so it's a hundred year old you know thing. Money mm-hmm. you know was attached to gold until 1971. Now it's fiat. Well, 1971 wasn't that long ago, and like I think. Right now, especially after going through, you know, COVID and the mass printing of money, it almost shone a light on it that people are still kind of, you know, covering their eyes about going, ah, yeah, we printed a lot of money, but whatever. Mm-hmm. But but they literally printed trillions of dollars, you know, and and so to to be able to do that, <laughs> it just just like shines a light on how false it act, how false money actually is. Yeah. I m- money isn't real. And yeah. the the sooner people realize that it's it's literally a game, that is when true change happens and that is when true innovation happens. So I'm sure you guys are familiar with like Robert Kiyosaki. Yep. You know, rich dad, poor dad, the whole thing. Um he had a game that came out a while ago, like probably 10 years ago. It was uh, Cash Flow 101. And like when I was making my transition from corporate America and I worked at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, did their management training program, worked my way up, 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 up. Then I just, I quit and got involved in real estate. But what, what I was doing during that time is I was brainwashing myself that money isn't real and it's a game. So I would play Kiyosaki's game on my phone every day. And I used to do it where before I would get out of bed, I would get out of the rat race. And then on my lunch break, I would have to try to get out of the rat race as quickly as I could. But my point is, is like that transition of money isn't real and it's a game. And if I can learn how to play the game, that's it. I can create any money that I need. 
money isn't earned, or at least it doesn't have to be anymore. It can just go out and be created if you understand the rules of money. And I think that's a big part of what you guys are doing with your podcast and Nick and like all of these different communities, um, 1971 as well, is we're trying to teach people the new rules of money. Mm -hmm. So what would you say are the, like when you think about the rules of money through your experience, and and I am familiar, I remember reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad years ago, and it just completely shifted uh, my whole paradigm in terms of how I looked at money and how I looked at you know, how you make money and, and generate wealth. It's, it's a, it's a really amazing book. And, and I've cut the cash flow game. I actually played it with my, my eight-year-old son the other day. It's funny yeah. you bring that up. <laughs> try try it, on, try it on your phone. They have like a mobile app version. It's so quick, man. It, it's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm going to write um, that down. But to, to your question, like I'll, I'll go a little bit broader here. Um, number one, it's not real. And as soon as you start treating it, like it's not real, your life will get a million times better. Um, number two, it's an abundance. So if it's not real and if I can create it, then I choose if I have an abundance of it or not. Um, a lot of people, they, they don't believe that they say I have X amount of hours and X amount of hours equates to X amount, an, an hour, which is a dollar amount. They, they run their, their whole life based on this formula. That's completely crap. Mm-hmm. So it's not real. It's an abundance. I can create whatever I want, literally by just learning how to be creative. So we've gotten into this, this pattern as a society where it's not encouraged to create like it was back in the day. So I've got a two-year-old son, the kid's crazy. And I watch him. It All they do is create. That's all kids do. They just play and they create and their imagination goes, goes wild We've lost that. And as we get older, we lose that as, as human beings because now everything just becomes routine. I think learning to create and just getting good at just figuring out how do I just create on a daily basis? How do I, and then how do I do that with money? That's the game changer. I, so I would say those are probably the top three, man. Um, there, there's more like finite stuff. There's different tactics. There's stuff like infinite banking, there's all of these different tools and resources and even rules that wealthy people use that the poor and middle class don't even know about. Yeah. So if you want to really rig the game and if you really let's see what I did there, Dan, I got you. I got you. Hey, my, my, I got to give a shout out to my CPA over there. Um, but if you really want to learn how to play the game and if you want to start playing by the rules of wealthy people, if you want to be wealthy, you have to learn their rules. Mm-hmm. If you want to do what they do and make the money that they make, you have to do what they're doing. So you got to start learning a different set of standards and start learning a different path. And, and, that- not, and not think that it's unattainable. Like I, I know from, uh, you know, the, my past and what I grew up in, it was like almost, you know, the wealthy and the rich were up here and that's unattainable. And, you know, you don't know how to play the rules, so don't even play the game. But but that's not how it needs to be. No, dude. So like if, if we were the three of us were to sit down and play a board game that we'd never played, what was the, what's the first thing that we'll do? We've never played the game. Got to try and win. We got, we got to read the rules, right? Instructions. We, we would look at how do we play the game? Yeah. Who goes, who goes first? What's the sequence of uh, sequence of events? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How do you do it? How do you win? And, th- and then we could actually have a shot at trying to play it together. Well, to your point is I think most people are so intimidated by this idea that they just never start. 
So like, you know, the, the, the board games in the box and they're, they're like, man, I, I've never played that game. I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. No, dude, you got to get it out of the box, get the idea out of your head, read the rules. And then you just start playing, knowing that you're going to mess it up, but you, you figure it out as you go. I think, I think back to your earlier point, <clears throat> talking about the school systems, it's, it's like the rules people are playing by rules, but it was rules that were given to them a different game in the school system of this is what you need to do. You got to make a good, you got to make the good grades, you know, learn the things and then you graduate and then you go into college and then you get into a bunch of debt and then you get out of college and then you find yourself a good job. And it's all, you know, when you, whenever you speak to somebody that's kind of stuck in that, that zone, it's all based around what's my salary? What are my benefits? How much time am I trading for money? And that's the rules of the game that I'm playing. The wealthy people don't, that's not the rules that they play. In fact, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a really great book to start with if you really want to learn about the rules that the wealthy play. So it's just taking that time to like, hey, let's read a different instruction manual because we're going to play a different game here, the game that the wealthy play. So if you're not wealthy or if you're struggling with money, maybe start with, what are the what's the game I'm playing? And maybe I need to be playing a different game if I want to get to a different place, right? 100%. And I, I think the opposite of what you're describing, you know, like the go to school, get good, get, get, the opposite of that. And I think the narrative is it's fear. Yeah. The the sentence is because if you don't, that's the, that, that's the phrase. So if you don't go and get a good grade and a good job and have a 401k, which is 401k is like is the devil trust me like it's terrible but if you don't do these things this is what your life will look like i didn't go to college i've got hand tattoos like i I, i'm i'm doing just fine because i've i I started asking the questions like you know like if i if if you guys were at a different level than me i would start asking questions and saying man Mm -hmm. what do you guys do on a daily basis how do you do that how do you how do you figure out about that and Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that. They they want to hear they they want security and there's no such thing. They you're gonna be o- you're gonna be okay. That's <laughs> what they want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I want to ask you about um, you know, speaking of success and 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 um one thing that really stood out to me when we were being introduced was that you you really did well in wholesale real estate. And um I'd love for you to just touch on that because this is, you know, real estate is, you know, we talk about macro beliefs in the Wolf Den and TGA and it's like, okay, well, what are your macro beliefs? And I'll just say for myself personally, maybe this is a selfish question, but I think it's applicable here, but like real estate's one of my macro beliefs. Like that's the side of the barbell that I see as reliable. There's like all these different avenues that it seems that you can take with real estate in terms of, you know, it's like passive income. You can invest in single family. There's multifamily, there's commercial real estate. And then I hear about this thing called wholesale real estate. And I'm like, what is wholesale real estate? You've done really well in it. So I'd love to hear what is wholesale real estate and maybe give a little bit insight of what you did and what your success was from it. Yeah. So, um, I, I started all of that in a, during a really, really weird transition for me. So I, I had read rich dad, poor dad, that, killed me like mentally i was like oh my gosh like i can't work a a job um so i did what a lot of people did and i I started working with somebody local that had done wholesaling before so if if you guys don't know for anybody listening wholesaling is you you find a buyer ask them what they want to buy and then you go find that for them at a discount and you make the difference 
So if we were, if Dwayne said, Jordan, I want to buy something, I want, I want a single family house at a hundred grand, three bed, two bath. And I went to Jake and said, Jake, you have that. I'll give you 90. I just made 10 grand. Oh. You, you, you're making the split. You, you know what your buyer wants and you just go offer below it. If you, whatever split, um, you don't need a real estate license. You, you, you don't need anything. So when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, like I can, I can do that. And I thought that I would make all of this money very, very quickly without realizing that, hey, there is a learning curve here and there is there is a process. So it, guys, it, it took me multiple, like three and a half, four months before I did my first deal. But my first deal from that point to like my, my first 500 grand was in 10 months. So once I figured out kind of a little bit of that formula of find somebody that wants to buy something, go find it cheaper. I started doing it virtually from Montana, tiny town in Montana over to like Charlotte, North Carolina and like Columbus, Ohio and like all of these different markets. I, I knew guys that were doing real estate. And I just asked them what they wanted to buy. So I, I did well on the wholesale side. And then I met a, a, this crazy dude in Montana that was like, hey, man, you can buy real estate using none of your own money. I'm like, mm -hmm. huh? That's impossible. You know, because I was still in this like work trade time for a wholesale deal, which was which was basically like having a job. Like I, I owned my own business, but I had a job. If I don't market to X amount of people and take X amount of phone calls, I won't reach X amount of sellers. I won't do a deal. Like I was very much still trapped in trading time for money, which is what I do not want. So this guy, his name is Justin Joyner. Um, he's like, yeah, dude, no, like there, there's all of these real estate tactics where you can, you can like take over somebody's mortgage for them and get the house for free. I'm like, there's no way. He's like, you can do like a lease option and like you can do a subject two and you can sell or finance. So I started like almost like had to like rebirth myself as a real estate investor because I loved wholesaling and I was making good money. But I was like, dude, I want freedom. I want like, you know, I, I'm 27 at that point. I'm working crazy hours. There's, there's a difference between I'm making good money and I have freedom and I have a life. I had no life. So I, I dove into that path. I know you asked about wholesaling, but the bigger part of my story is I, I I built a multi-million dollar portfolio. We had hundreds of units and I didn't use any of my own money um, up until the very end, like the last year, maybe, but we were net, we weren't using a bank. Uh, we weren't using a lot of private money. Like we were, we were working out deals with the sellers of the properties and picking up duplexes and fourplexes. And we had a 20 unit and like a 10 unit. So once I, once I figured that out, I was like, Holy crap. Like the, the, this, how come no one's ever talked about this? How come nobody that I've ever talked to knows about this? Wow. I started showing other, other people how to do it. And uh, that was a decade ago. And we've worked with like 10,000 different people in different markets that are, yeah, they wholesale, they, they do Airbnb, they do kind of a little bit of everything, but it kind of sparked this, this movement where people can get financially free if they want. And that's, that's, that is now the question is, do you want to be free? Yeah. Yeah. The, that's really interesting. I mean, that's the thing it's, it, and that was like the part of the question I had asked is like, there's so many different opportunities in real estate that so many, the people just don't even understand and you're playing in that sandbox. So you've, you've got this, you know, 
you've you've got the awareness and experience and understanding of of what can be accomplished in that in that particular sector of real estate and how you can invest in it and and not being able to because that's a huge paradigm shift because that's the thing it's like when you get into real estate you think i've got to you know come up with the down payment and you're saying that you can actually go to the sellers and you know work with them in terms of you know taking over you're saying taking over the mortgage it's basically a contract right is that what we're talking about it's just a contract with the seller 100%. that you're going to take it over and then is is there i got a follow-up question to that this is kind of getting a little bit into the tactical but you know is there any thing that somebody like if, if if somebody were doing this kind of operation is there any like market conditions that need to be kind of ideal for for deals like that for deals to work out that way and this is like my immediate thought is well if i've got a property that's doing well like why would the seller want to just hand it over to somebody else or sign a contract over to somebody else if it's a good yeah, investment yeah. like that's a good question man i mean it's, it's that I, I say this super respectfully but that that is why most people don't get into that game is because they're like yeah why, why would somebody sell if the property's doing good so mm -hmm no matter what avenue or what no matter what sector of real estate you want to do if you can just get good at solving a specific problem that's how you win so i'll give you an example um people that are in pre-foreclosure they got hurt they got injured they had covid like whatever they are not able to pay their mortgage they're upset they're they're in denial um all of this stuff and like let's say they've got three weeks and the bank is literally going to kick them out of their house that is a person I could go in and I could get very good at solving that problem, mm. right? Now, money goes out the door when you're solving a big enough problem. Um, another one is uh, probate. So grandpa died. He lives in Hawaii. I don't have enough money to even afford a plane ticket to go take care of his property. That property is getting run down. You could become like a probate specialist and become really... So my, my point is, is like, we're, we're looking for really big problems and we're looking to get really good at, I'm just a problem solver that has nothing to do with real estate. Gotcha. Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, we, we, we go right back to like the creativity part. How creative can you be? Yeah. And what problem do you want to solve? And pick an industry, really. Like just get real creative and real curious about solving problems. And that's a huge step in, in moving forward. So guys, I, this, uh, this was about a year, maybe just over a year ago, um, playing the cash flow game in real life with, with real estate and some other businesses. That was when our ops manager got me involved in crypto. And that was like, I'd say that was probably my third biggest paradigm shift was crypto. Um, but that was another thing guys, like, and I guess like probably like the biggest part of my story is like, I've had these different moments or seasons in my life where I've had to adapt and expand my thinking to be able to create and continuously create money and opportunities, all of that. So I got in on, I think it was, I think it was Floki. No idea what I was doing. You remember Floki? Oh, yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. My, my ops manager from, um, he's from the UK. He's like, look, dude, I, there's this opportunity. You got to get in. You got to do it right now. I literally PayPal'd him 10 grand. We lost our butts on the PayPal, tra PayPal transfer fees. So I think I ended up with like 7K. That 7K turned into like 60-ish. 
sold it, panicked, had no idea what I was doing, but I had the 60K in like this stable coin, which I didn't even really know what, know what a stable coin was. Um, but that, that at that point, I was like, holy crap. Like I just turned seven grand into like 60, 70 grand on accident. And then like a couple of days later, like Floki tanked the whole thing. Like mm-hmm. even the guy that got me into it didn't get out when I got out. Like it was just this, it was a freak thing. But that's kind of where I was exposed to like Nick and like the Wolf Den and stuff like that. Because all I knew was here's a guy that's found out something that I don't know. And guys, I was getting up at three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, just watching Nick's videos. Like I just started at the very, very beginning. So got involved in that. Um, I was in guard. Um, I had a couple like LP pairs, that whole thing. Um, I pivoted to kind of like the dark side, like the degen side of crypto. Realized I didn't like that. Um, <laughs> I joke around a lot, but it, one of the projects I was in, it was like literally like every four hours you have to push this button to compound, and if you don't, you lose all your money. Like how re- wow. how ridiculous <laughs> it does that? Like my wife gave me such a hard time because I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm farming wizards and tokens and she's like what are you are you high <laughs> but that, like that was crypto at the time or like that's what i was doing <laughs> so guys like a, a long long story short is like i i pivoted and pivoted and pivoted and was really trying to figure out like i know people are making good money and i know that there's people that are doing a lot better than i am so i'm just going to focus on becoming the best version of myself that i can and i got up to like a hundred grand a month started doing some stuff more like on the forex side like we do like a lot of gold trading um some pam accounts uh that type of stuff but to put that into perspective it would take was it like 200 rental properties like we we net about 200 per truly net about 200 per single family okay and I found out like in a very short amount of time how to get up to a, like, I was at a hundred grand a month with, with crypto and Forex and like DeFi stuff. So when you put that into perspective, that's really like the biggest pivot for me was holy shit. Like this is something that can have a massive impact on people. Yeah. Right. It, it was wild. So now, in that, you, so oh, when, go you ahead, thought, uh, when you got first exposed to it, did you, well, obviously you jumped in with both feet and just started running, but, um then like security and all that stuff like you dove into the whole learning of what this new adventure was all about like you didn't half-ass it kind of thing like i know i what i'm saying is you're you seem to be one of those people that want to know what what it all works in behind the scenes (laughs) good bad ugly whatever like i need to know how it works so i can properly play the game like yeah but but for me like I, th- I think some people nerd out on way too much. So they, they'll go in and they want to know everything about like, call it the network or like, and they'll, they'll spend days, weeks, months. Like, no, just like, I just want to learn what, what's the rules. Like what, how do I play? You know? So focusing on that side of it, like there there's people like, and I run, a, I run a, like a high end, like kind of like a high ticket mastermind. And there's people in that mastermind that know way more than I do, and they're but they're making way, way less money than I am because they're they're they're, I think they're trying to figure out the wrong thing. Yeah. I think everything that we're doing is a game, right? 
I think so, that's a huge uh, takeaway there, right? It's like the yeah. rules of the game. Like why? I mean, know how to play the game, learn the rules of the game, all this yeah. other stuff like you're talking about with, with, I, I know what you're saying too, because we've been in it pretty deep now for around the same amount of time, about a year, a little over a year. And, you know, you'll get in conversations kind of with like the OG maxis, like the crypto maxis. Oh, yeah. And, and they, you know, they go to this like really deep technical level that I'm like, that sounds cool, but I don't know how this is going to help me play my game here. <laughs> but that, but that's why I, I align so much with, and like, I, I, I would give my, my start, I'd give all credit to Nick for that. Cause, cause he was the only one that I was following, mm-hmm. but he was talking about principles, you know, and like very rarely would he go into the weeds a lot, at least like in the YouTube videos that I watch, he said, here's a principle that you need to get your head around. And if you can do that, you can accomplish blank. So I would rather look at the principles and like I've come up with for, I have an entire investment team. Now we have a banker, we have two different people that oversee um, two different types of investments. Um, we've got ops people. Uh, we work with Anne, Anne's on our team. Like we have, we have a pretty solid like investment group where we're, we're, we're doing some big stuff, but what I was learning with that and what I was doing with that is like, dude, like we just need to follow the rules and we started to develop our own, you know? So we started looking at needs to have been around for X amount of months. It needs to be transparent. It needs to have, um, it needs to make sense. How, how they actually make money needs to make sense. So if I read your white paper or if I, if I'm going through your project and it, there's not a logical way, I'm not doing it. It can't be based on Ponzi-nomics, meaning the project can't be dependent on new investors coming in. But we came up with, I think it was like 14, 15 rules in anything that fit that buy box we were investing in. And like, sure, we lose a little bit, but we're, we're, we're getting away from kind of like that D-gen, the guy that hangs out in his mother's basement drinking Red Bull and playing Xbox. We're getting away from like that type of investment and we're looking at and what's this real world stuff that we can do? Again, we're doing a lot with gold right now, a lot with gold. So sure, crypto is like the vehicle, or I would say the gateway to get into the opportunity, but they're doing physical gold, not trading gold. They're doing physical gold. So like one of one of them is called like Project 79 is one that people are involved in. Now we trade gold. We do stuff like that as well through Forex, but the vehicle is really crypto, right? Yeah, tools. Use use the tools available. <laughs> and but I think what we're seeing right now is like that they're changing and and people you have to be in a constant state of pivot, right? Yeah. Um receptivity. <laughs> I, I think that's it. And I think it's gonna be like that in this space. I think it's gonna be like that for a while. Yeah. I think we're gonna see networks come and go. I think we're gonna see obviously projects and different um we're we're gonna see different projects come and go, sure. But I think the biggest lesson that people can really take in the crypto and DeFi and like Web3 space is like, I just got to be constantly pivoting. It'll settle down at some point. Regulation will probably tame the beast a little bit, sure. But until then, like I, you guys would probably agree, like you just got to be in pivot mode, right? Yeah, we're it's still, changing so fast. We're still so early and just in that innovation stage that yeah. it's still innovating. So... <laughs> Yeah, really understanding like where where's this where's this train actually taking us here? Because I mean, in the DeFi space, and I was going to ask you, you know, it's, you know, in your exploration and looking at projects, if there's any 
you know, groundbreaking things that you've seen or things that you've seen where like, wow, that's really different. That's unique how they're building this project or um, just anything like, like what, like, cause this is, it is that innovation stage. We talked, Nick talked about this all the time, especially in his YouTube videos about the diffusion of innovation. And so we're still in that, that very early stage, you know, we haven't even really crossed the chasm yet into, into mass adoption. So, you know, I think until the chasms crossed and we start moving into mass adoption and and even still, you're going to see a lot of just rapid movement just throughout the whole space. But what, yeah, I mean, just curious, like through your time and, you know, investing and looking at different projects and going through the rules that you you mentioned as far as how you're evaluating these, these projects, is there anything that really comes stands out to you that you feel like is promising long-term, like some innovation that you've seen? Just curious. Yes and no. Um, I, I think, I think that the, the, the projects that are crushing it right now are they're, they're trying to make, they're trying to make a bridge from normal real world people Mom and pop that got an extra 20 grand. Like, I think the people that are doing well are they're making it easy for those people to have a vehicle for potentially wealth generation or income generation. So, I mean, like, honestly, I, I don't see any massive project that's just so different than everyone else right now. I think a lot of people are, again, they're trying to figure it out. And I think that everyone's trying to pivot. Um, but I, I think the ones that are going to win are going to be the ones that make it easy for average regular old joe and jan to get involved um yeah those are going to be the winners man but to your point um i like to look at like when when the internet came out and when computers came out like i like to look at those stories because seeing like how people took that concept and everyone thought it was going to be blank but they weren't looking big enough then it ended up being you know, the WWW thing, like there, there was so many different nuances there and different strategies there. And the people, again, I think they were liquid enough to pivot often were the ones that won in these different things. So there's a show I love guys. It's called halt and catch fire. You guys ever watch that one? Mm-mm. So check that out. It's, it's about, it, it's about like the computers coming out and then eventually getting everything onto the, the internet. I think you can find it on Netflix or yeah, I was going to ask you where you could find it. Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Halt, halt and catch fire. But that is what I see happening right now with, with web three and, and DeFi and all of that. It, it's basically, it's basically that same story reproducing itself. So you, you mentioned something just there, stay liquid enough to pivot. Is that kind of a key um, thing that you put in your strategy is, having that moment or having that capital or whatever liquidity to take advantage of these upsides when you see them. Yeah. So, I mean, like keep, keep in mind, like I have all of my old like real estate habits are still very much with me because I did that for a decade and I've been only been doing DeFi for a year. Right. So when we have money come in immediately, the first thing that we do is we put 25% into liquidity. This is before a single dollar gets invested, 25% to liquidity. Uh, we do 10% to dev, which is anything we need to be developing the business. So this could be subscriptions. It could be internet, Wi-Fi. It could be like tax stuff. Um, and then we invest super heavily. And then from the proceeds of that is how we actually make our money. 
So we're, we're truly running our investment business, not again, the guy in his mom's basement. I'm looking at this from a decade of being an entrepreneur and a business owner saying like, I can do better than these people. And, and I don't mean that like in a selfish way. What I mean is most people are not operating crypto as a business. Mm-hmm. I am not crypto. I'm not real estate. I am I am an investor that has different asset classes and different, you called it, uh, tools. And this is just one of them. So we're doing a bunch of crazy stuff right now, like kind of like our like little investment group. But we're staying super liquid so that we can take advantage of opportunities. Most people, they're like, oh my gosh, like you've got 250 grand in liquidity. If you would just put that in this project, defeats the purpose of it. You know, the other 75% can go into that project, but I'm staying 25% liquid. What that's allowing us to do is move very quickly, have flexibility what if a project collapses? Well, I'm never more than 25% in any project, right? I'm diversified, you know? It's so like, well, I'll, I'll be in 12 projects. None of them will be more than 25% of our portfolio. I could have a bunch of them collapse. My liquidity can kick in if I need it to. I lose zero momentum. Yeah. Everyone else is like, I got wrecked. Well, are you a business owner that has an investment company or are you just playing around? Because if you want to be a if you want to be an investor, learn back to the, our point. Learn the rules of being an investor. Mm-hmm. So, man, like I I I sleep better at night having liquidity. You know, um, I sleep better at night. We have we have a banker. His name's Carl. Carl handles all of our different wallets and all of our different accounts, and he gives that money to the guys that are actually get, getting involved in the projects and researching what project we should be involved in. We've got people like Anne that are overseeing everyone else. Like there's, there's got to be a machine here and yeah, you can do it solo, but man, I mean, do you want to, I don't know. I mean, like, I work better on a team. Um, I, I feel more comfortable on a team with having four five, six brains looking at the same problem than just one. Yeah. 100%. And it's anti-fragility right here. The way that's the message I'm getting from it. You got liquidity. Um, And it's liquidity can be very, you know, I actually come from a banking background and regulation. So I'm very familiar with like safety and soundness and, you know, having certain liquidity things in place for, you know, for an organization. And it's a, it's a really critical function to have. And, um, and it really comes down to anti-fragility is the way I see it. So, you know, having, and also positioning, being positioned on the board, so when those opportunities come up, you you're you're ready for it. There's the readiness factor. So sure. yeah, you um, mentioned uh, like in the early days watching those videos and and hearing the principles that like oh if, if this is a principle and you learn it then you'll you know so what's one of the big ones that stood out that kind of got the wheels rolling that you were like okay I need to keep watching this and keep learning like. <laughs> Or was it just like everything in general? Because I was there at that time and, you know, there was a lot. So it was just like, okay, I don't, I may not know the full vision of this, but this has definitely piqued my interest. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's anything in particular that that, that stands out. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there is. I'll think about it at like two o'clock this morning and I'll call you. I remember. Um, but for for me, like for, for me to have actual change, like there's got to be sacrifice. Um, I had a sacrifice when I went and worked at Enterprise. I had a sacrifice when I when I was a, starting in real estate. 
So what I was doing at that point is like I was getting up at three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning to get in a couple hours of training before my normal day started. You know, so like I, Nick and these other people, they were saying things. I'm like, I don't know what Ethereum is. Like, and I would go and Google it or YouTube it. And like, there was all of these massive like rabbit trails. And I had to simplify everything because you can get really overwhelmed. I think that's why more people aren't involved is they're like, I don't understand. Like my wife, she's like, wait, you're, you're going on a raid. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's in a night swap. She's like, what's night swap? I'm like, well, there's a raid. And then uh, at one point there was like dinosaur eggs. I'm like, so there's a raid and there's these dinosaur eggs. But to the outside world, they're like, that is so overwhelming. I don't know what you're talking about. So I had to figure out like how to simplify and like just the principles were. And again, like, I don't even know if there's anything that stands out, but I remember being like, there, there were these core concepts that that's really what I need. And all of the minute, minute details, like it's going to come and I'll figure it out, but step one how how do i on ramp okay great now what do i do you know what i mean like it it was that yeah. and i think if more people can figure out and i think this is like part of like what i'm somewhat passionate about is showing people this is step one don't don't watch another doggone video don't go on google like just do this here's how we on ramp and then step number 2 step number 3 step number 4 like I think if there's more of that, I think it, more people will be, it'll be more heavily adopted. More people will figure it out. It's just so yeah. big. So to try and think of it all at once and just be like, okay, I'm getting into crypto and I'm just thinking about the whole ecosystem at once and let's go. And it's like, holy shit. No, like just, can you move money into crypto? Okay, there you go. <laughs> you're you're in now. <laughs> now oh, yeah. let's figure out the next step. <laughs> I, I I almost quit trying to unramp. Like I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't. And it's like the my, first step, man. <laughs> like it's my, so bank, my bank, my bank was like, uh, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm I'm trying to buy crypto." They're like, "No, you're not going to." No, do you're that. not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I feel really good about this investment. This <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're really good about doing this. Well, it, it definitely takes a big. A, it's been yeah. such a fun adventure, though. Um, just you know, at this early innovation stage, just to see everything moving and just being a part of it. Um, I think that's the key part just be curious and start to learn like even if you don't want to get invest, like fully invested um just to be keeping an eye on the space and learning about it is will be hugely beneficial yes yeah, so, i mean like I, I think that there's new rules for money and i think the people that are learning them or trying to abide by them and trying to figure them out i think those people win mm -hmm. and then i think for everybody else i think it at some point it's going to be too late so my prediction, and I, I know you guys got to jump here in a little bit, but my prediction is I think the U.S. comes out with their own thing. I think like their own coin, like their own stable coin. That would be my prediction in the next like 12 to 18. I know there's a bunch of other people that also believe that. Um, I think they're going to do that and they're going to make banks irrelevant. Um, why? Because they want the transaction fee. Right. Um, if you think about it, like even, even if the transaction fee is normal or similar to what the bank is charging, because they everyone has a transaction fee, even if they do that, it it, it will literally um, put an influx of billions of dollars into the economy. And I think that's going to be part of their plan. Um, I think with that will come a lot of regulation and they'll say, hey, look, we're going to do this and so we're going to create our own thing. Um, it's going to allow people to transfer money and do all this stuff better. But with that, it's going to come, obviously, the regulations. So I think there's going to be some big shifts. And I think 
I think it's going to come down to a lot of greed because what is being built right now is it's one of the biggest innovations ever. Yep. It's, it's one of those new paradigm shifts and world changing yeah. moments. Like <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Jordan, man, this is, this has been great. I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing all your insights and, and I've learned a lot, especially, you know, I, I really, one of the big takeaways, I think for me personally, there's two really that that just really stand out that I want to kind of resurface is is one is go back in history right look at history and I think there's a huge lesson to be learned from that so um, really appreciate you sharing that and then the second one is learn the rules of the game right and you mentioned the game is changing and the game of money is changing so you know if if you're I think you know for people out there that are not in the, the space of crypto and NFTs. And maybe there's, a, you know how it is, it's the scrutiny and expectations. And, you know, you get a lot of that in headlines and it's just like disconnect from that, like go to where real people are building, real people are investing. They're taking it serious. People like yourself, you got a great YouTube channel that we'll be sure to link up in, in the show notes um, for people to get education as well from what you're putting out on the DeFi space. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just, I just want to just say thank you and just recognize that, you know, this has been super valuable for us. We've learned some new things. I know I have, and, and it's just been great. So if somebody does want to get in contact with you, um, and get connected in the 1971 mastermind, the things that you're doing, what would be the best way to do that? Yeah. Like you said, I mean, like, I think the YouTube channel is a, a good, um, place to start. It's under DeFi don't lie. It's the YouTube channel. Then our website is, uh, the 1971mastermind.com. So we talk, if, if you guys liked this and you, you're kind of a conspiracy theorist like me, um, we, we talk a lot about this and we're, we're doing, doing some pretty fun stuff. Yeah. Just be open, receptive and hear the points of view. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll spark something and, and, uh, you know, pull the curtain back on what actually has been taught or told or whatever. Like um, looking back at history and learning the education, that's a good place to start, but you still need to be open and receptive to the new changes that you might not have seen before. <laughs> that that and just constant be be willing to pivot. Yeah. Like the that that's gonna be the name of the game for the next twelve to twenty-four months is who who can pivot who can take ad advantage of the opportunity. So again, you gotta be somewhat liquid, you gotta be somewhat ready. Um, there's opportunities that none of us know that are coming that um, will continuously be changing the game. So guys, I, pre I appreciate your awesome. time. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate Jordan. it, Jordan.